I don't want to say I'm becoming as bitter as like somebody like John Carpenter. Like I don't know if you've seen him lately in interviews. John's on a roll tonight. Uh, He's like burned. Like I was watching like like I'm watching this documentary and like he's like talking about how like he couldn't make the horror movies or the movies he made in the eighties today, blah blah blah. And then like he just seems so besides that, it was like a general attitude vibe that I get from him that he's just like so bitter and unhappy and like Crack open a cold box of wine or pour something cold on ice because it's the Binge Watchers Podcast. So I read this story that uh, Seth Rogen got brought in to write the jokes for Dr. Doolittle, you know, RDJ's like next million dollar launch, you know, like he was like Robert Downey Jr. thought that like the Dr. Doolittle remake was going to be like this billion dollar blockbuster and he could leave Tony Stark behind, you know, he was he was wrong. Well, he was he was way (laughs) wrong, like to the point where I'm like, now he has to go crawling back to Marvel, right? Like before it was like, oh, we can't make a Marvel movie without you. Oh shit! We just created four other stars to make the next uh, series of other Marvel movies. We don't need you anymore. By the way, how's your Doctor Doolittle movie doing? <laughs> you know, like, it's so embarrassing. But the fact that, uh, like, yes, Rogan's like, yeah, I, I they brought me in to write jokes, and I'm like, holy, holy hell! Now we know why they got to a farting dragon. Like it, that has to be a Rogan joke. I, I have, right? believe I it or not, I, I have read that. It. I read other articles that was actually, I think, RDJ. <laughs> I wanted to stick his hand in a dragon's ass in the third <laughs> act, bring it all home, tie it all together. <laughs> what the hell happened in this movie? <laughs> well, now now Nick's going to watch like, it. It's in his playlist the, now. The guy who hired, was hired to direct it is like, he's known for making serious dramas like Syriana. So, of course, natural fit for Dr. Doolittle. Oh, man. <laughs> so, so basically, Dr. Doolittle just went out and like he like tried to get all these talented people to try to make this movie. And it's just like a... A salad that just wilted too fast, right? Like, oh, oh we'll mix it all together; oh, it'll no. be great. And it just the recipe doesn't work. You know, it doesn't always work. I mean, you think about that. Like, some people can't work together. Sometimes the magic just isn't there, right? I mean, put yeah. certain things together, just doesn't work out. <clears throat> like, I would That's say they they made history with the uh, Expendable movies, right? Like, you had every action star from the '80s and early '90s in the same movie. Yeah. And again, maybe it's overkill. You know, some of them aren't great. Like every every other one is good. I love the second. You know, one. Expendables too. I, I I stand by that one. Let me tell you. Is that the one with Chuck Norris? <laughs> uh yeah, Chuck Norris and Van Damme's the villain. Yeah, there you go. Sure. Yeah, it it was a winning formula. And they're still trying to make Dave's Christmas one. What the... Are you attached <laughs> to that project, Dave? <laughs> Dave, they owe you money for that Christmas. movie, Dave. <laughs> like, I mean, just go back in our podcast, folks. Dave created that movie like two years ago. They owe him some cash. That was yeah. his idea, Expendables Christmas edition, or a very <laughs> Expendables Christmas. That that's a great movie. Everybody what is wants it, what to is watch it. What would the tagline be like this year? The war on Christmas is being fought by the Expendables. I, well, <laughs> I don't know. See, now you're tanking your own idea. I just said it was a great idea, and then <laughs> and then you, 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 you <laughs> yeah. said a line don't that's not that strong. Don't pitch that to the studio. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dave just has the idea, folks. He doesn't have to write them. He just gets paid the big bucks just to come up with the yeah. ideas. Pass it on to some other pitch. slubby screenwriter to come up with the script. Let's see. Oh, and then this is courtesy of Nick. Nicky T, also called Nicky Lates on our show. Yes. He uh, threw this out the other day. He's like, did you see this news story about um, <coughs> Courtney Cox coming back for Gail Weathers in Scream 5? I was like, damn, rush that right to our social media, you know? <laughs> that's a big story. That, that was like breaking news for five seconds. Yeah. Um, well, uh, uh, that's great. I, I know Nev's already on. Is Arquette on? Wait, no. He, I thought I thought Arquette was the first one to uh, to sign up. I thought Dewey. Oh, he was? I yeah, was sure. yeah. Okay. I, I think um, David Arquette was like the first one in. And now it's like rounding out the cast like to get all the originals back. Um, dude, I was thinking, I don't know if we talked about this, like, if you go back to the beginning of our Summer Slash Marathon, we started with the Scream series in our little summer horror movie run here, and we were plotting out our versions, our fantastic versions of what Scream 5 could be, 
I don't remember now, like, what is this, like, ten weeks later? I don't remember if in that episode we said um, that what if, uh, what's his name, who got killed, who was the horror movie fan? What's his name? Um, Ma- Matthew Lillard. No, not Matt Lillard coming back from the sane asylum. We we, we, ha- we threw that plot out there, but did we talk about, um, gosh, why am I blanking on this? Jamie Kennedy's character. Jamie Kennedy's character, yeah. Um. What is his character's name? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Damn. Uh, really wants to Randy. 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 It's, it's his name is Randy. Randy? Yeah. Randy. Yeah. yeah. Randy. Randy the horror movie fan. So what if like this roundabout way, like he's not dead. <laughs> like he orchestrated the whole thing or something, you know, like I don't know if we ever touched on him being the killer when we probably did. I, I should have like, I should have gone back and, and found out if we discussed it because we could have already have. Who the hell knows? We talked about I, – I think we sat there for about a half hour and came up with every Scream 5 plot that we could think of. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, we came up with a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and ultimately the best one, I think, was like if Sydney was the killer the entire time. Yeah. That would blow people's minds, but who knows. And, it, and that they should include – we were talking about they should include social media and like the WhatsApp app. I remember saying – yeah, I definitely remember that. Yeah. Or, like, you get a text before you die, or they ask questions through texting. Yeah, 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 and you don't know who's sending out the messages. Yeah, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool as hell. Anyway, everybody's and, looking forward and, to Scream 5. Well, and they for sure need to kill one of those three. They need to kill Nev, Arquette, or Cox. Like, oh, you, you got to drop them in, like, three. the first ten minutes, right? Just to, just to make a statement? You got to kill, yeah. kill one of the other You, you got to go in. You didn't do it with four. You got to do it in five. Man, it's probably then it would probably have to be Detective Dewey, right? Or Chief Dewey now? He's probably the chief of police, right? And Scream by Scream Five, he's got to be like the chief, right? Yeah, he's he's that guy Hopefully. that was smoking cigarettes in the first one. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Now, isn't that crazy how time flies? Wow, <laughs> it does a little bit indeed. Yeah. Um, Dave claims there's an underrated filmmaker out there that people should know about who actually passed away. Dave. Yeah, Alan Parker, um, great British director. Um, <clears throat> I mean, he's done a ton of, like, he had a pretty diverse uh, filmography, but, I mean, his biggest things were probably Pink Floyd, The Wall, Bugsy mm-hmm. Malone, um, Midnight Express, um, Mississippi Burning. Um, the one I really love of his is uh, Road to Whaleville, which was uh, a weird movie with John Cusack. Uh, I forgot again. about that one. It's such a good movie. It's about the Kellogg factory back in the 1900s. Um, it has it has like a great cast of Anthony Hopkins, John Cusack, Bridget Fonda. Um, is it Matthew Broderick? Yeah, yeah, Matthew yeah. Broderick in it too. Um, it, it's just it's like a turn. It's a period comedy from the ni- early 1900s or that takes place in the early 1900s. And that's like your but, favorite of his run or whatever. Like that, that's that's my personal favorite i mean yeah. also i i recently discovered birdie um a few years ago and that's a, like a crazy movie of just in terms of cinematography um I, I still don't know how he pulled it off in 1984 today i would say it's a drone um <laughs> but uh yeah crane i mean shots, maybe uh, they used to use jib arms and cranes right so yeah i mean you just have to i you have to see the movie for yourself to just see how how the camera just flows go <laughs> do these sweeping i don't know you have to see it, but uh, not the jazz artist, though, right? Because it wasn't that a Clint Eastwood movie about the jazz artist. Is that a movie oh, about a oh, jazz oh, musician? That's, uh, that's Bird. Yeah, I know that's easy to confuse. There's yeah. Bird, and then there's Birdie. <laughs> yeah, okay. The, Two different movies. Um, the The Birdie is with uh, Nicholas Cage and uh, Matthew Modine uh, about Vietnam shell shock, basically. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah, it's actually a really good movie. I'll have to look it up. I made notes. To look that up. Um, all I know about the Road to Wilville guy, like the Kellogg's guy, you know, he made cornflakes as like a snack to deter like masturbation or something. Like he was like obsessed with like repressing oh, yeah. sexuality, <laughs> and then like yeah. it's a nut. <laughs> and he supposedly like put a bunch of money into circumcisions. Like he was like a uh, he was like like if anybody was standing there with like a poster, let's circumcise the whole nation. He, he was like that guy. So yeah, he was a psychopath <laughs> and with money, a psychopath with money. But he's probably in like a History Channel special of like one of the guys that built America, <laughs> you know, Mr. <laughs> Kellogg's. Yeah. Eat your cornflakes, get your circumcision, line up, kids. You know, like, oh <laughs> uh, yeah, he's an absolute lunatic. But maybe Alan Parker made a good movie. Who knows? He's kind of crazy in that movie, though, isn't he? Isn't he pretty like eccentric? 
the depiction yeah, I mean, of the guy? It's a, I don't know. I, I don't think you can call it a true story. I think it's more of a, a comedy based, mm. uh, loosely based on true events. Because, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty wacky. So I don't know how close to the truth it is. Um, I, well, I, wasn't I feel like Wellville a just like a taken. retreat for the rich people? Like, like they would like to try out all this nutritional workout, like spa, all this crap? Like, yeah. turn of the century health ideas or whatever? Yeah, but I mean, there's like a, yeah. It's it's pretty. Oh, Dan Carvey's in it too. And if the, if this is sells you on it, Dan Carvey slings boxes of uh, shit at people at some point. So there's there's that too. <laughs> Why didn't you start there, David? Like start there, and <laughs> you know you know what I mean. Like don't just tell us like we're talking about some crusty old British director. Just be like this movie has Dan Carvey flinging shit at people. Okay, I'm in. What channel is it on? You know, we're like where can I download it? You know. Start there, David. See, see, David. We got to teach Dave marketing skills, Nick. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like, because he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Because he, <laughs> he, he you know, shit. I, I, I so, say he has this great thing called Expendables Christmas, and then he's like, it's a war on Christmas, and then, <laughs> and then he's like, Road to Wellville. <laughs> like, come on, boy. No, you start with the shit flinging, Dave. That's how you sell the. That's how you get ass in the seats. That's how you sell the tickets. You start with the shit, the poop. You start there, David. <laughs> that's your highest point no you taken. have to start there and then they'll be like he gave away the best scene in the trailer he showed the shit flinging right away yeah but that's marketing <laughs> kids that's marketing we gotta guarantee that you buy the tickets that's all man so there you go we, we you learn something new every day and we just taught our audience something new take notes marketing notes take it down <laughs> alright um, Jean-Claude is finally getting his Netflix deal Ooh, he has an action yes. comedy moving to Netflix called The Last Mercenary. This you could see almost like writing on the wall. Like eventually, Stallone's going to get a Netflix deal. Lundgren's going to get a Netflix deal. They're all going to go to Netflix. Makes sense. I mean, I mean, the DVD market's dying up at this point, right? So might as well. Well, and, they've been isn't isn't uh, oh sorry, pretty much for years, guys. Yeah, it makes sense. But is I was about to say like, isn't Netflix the direct TV market now? Like, all these guys, all these action heroes with their movies direct-to-video DVDs before that VHS, it makes yeah. sense, direct-to-video, right to a Netflix deal. Yeah. Like, that's and the I'm, pipeline. I mean, I'm sure he's not making crazy money like St- Stallone would or Schwarzenegger would, but I'm sure he made decent money off this. Hmm. Yeah. It's an, it, look, it's an action comedy? Do we know what it's about? Uh, Yeah, he's... um. Secret Service. He's in the Secret Service. Oh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <Secret> <laughs> service, yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's all they've announced so far. It's an action comedy. There, a, there's your pitch. Action comedy, John Clover Dan's in the Secret Service. Secret Perfect. Service. Cool. Look. <laughs> I'm sold. All you had to say was Jean Claude Van Damme Muscles from Brussels on Netflix, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. All right. I'll check it out. Even if it sucks, I'll watch like 10 minutes or go to an action scene at least. So I don't know if you guys yeah. saw this on Twitter, but John Cryer and Ben Stiller were sending back a bunch of tweets about the original script that got passed around during the casting of Back to the Future. And that the time machine, originally the secret ingredient to make the time machine run was Coca-Cola from the 1950s. I was like, no. Mm, that's interesting because I think when they made the movie, they had new Coke out, right? Because they made the movie in the 80s. And they weren't using mm-hmm. the original recipe mm-hmm. in the eighties, and it was like this big controversy. Remember when like they demanded that they bring back the original Coke flavor? Yeah. So I was like, wow. I was like, wh- I was thinking like, what's unique about a nineteen fifties bottle of Coca Cola? I was like, oh, at the time it would have had the original recipe, and so they're saying it's full of all the magical goodness of the Coke or whatever, right? Or if you're going by the scientific formula, Coke it was one of the, like the original three or four sodas that dominated popular culture for like a hundred years or something, right? So. Um, that's cool. Or it's another Mac and me. Coca Cola was paying for Back to the Future. Who knows? Who knows? You know, you know what I mean. Like, uh, the secret now John Cryer and Ben Stiller. Did they try out for Back to the Future? I didn't. Know yeah, that. they were up for. Uh, they read for Marty McFly. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Freaking! I can. I, you know, I can kind of picture Ducky, or you know, like John Cryer being in that. Yeah, I think John Cryer of the two would have been a better Marty. I, I I can't see Ben Stiller, but John Cryer I could totally see. Yeah. Especially because at that time, I mean, that was two years later he played Ducky in Pretty in Pink. I mean, he would have been pretty right on for that role, I think. Hmm. Huh. would have been interesting. I, I, I think he was a better choice than 
Eric Stoltz, in my opinion. So, as you know, like, what's the gold standard for rating movies today? Probably, like, Rotten Tomatoes. I think a lot of people look for the tomato meters, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you could look on Google, whatever, see what users are doing, or you could look at, like, what's the other one, Metacritic or something? <clears throat> but for the most part, like, I think everybody in the audience looks to, instead of asking their, well, so I guess they can ask friends, or they they can listen to us on Binge Watchers Podcast and get the answer, <laughs> like, to know whether or not to watch a movie, but uh, I think most people go to Rotten Tomatoes, and recently they've been ranking up the Christian Slater movies, and then... This other website, Screen Rant, decided to put them together. So this is like the the tomato meter. Like these are the top ranked by users. So these are just audience members of Christian Slater movies, and it's almost like we're about to play a game because we're going to see like how they rank them and then compare them to our like you know I top like three Christian Slaters. I'm really surprised. I made some notes because some movies are not on the list, or some movies are in, on the list like in places that I think like they could be you know closer to the top three or whatever, but. All right, so number 10. Do you remember when Blockbuster was kicking out Blockbuster releases, like exclusives, like movies that they had titles to or whatever? Yeah. I don't know yeah. if you guys saw this one. He was a quiet man. That's where he's the office worker who wants I to kill his coworkers, yeah. and then he shows up on the day to do it when, like, another coworker is trying to take out the office, and then he ends up being a hero. Yeah, I saw it. It was, it was a weird movie, but kind of cool. Yeah, a weird indie, right? Like, just like... yeah. And like, he had like this weird bald look to him. It, it was really interesting. Yeah, he embraced movie. his natural hairline in this one. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. now he's like suddenly got his hairline back. It's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is, so the movie was probably pre-plug, pre-hair plugged Christian Slater, right? It, it might be. Yeah. Yeah, like he was embracing it, kind of like how John Travolta is embracing his his head now. I know. Thank uh, God. <laughs> I wonder if plugs must be temporary. They say it's real hair, but maybe it dies. Maybe it falls out. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but John Travolta is like, his hair started to look really bad for the past five years. But yeah, yeah. that's a different story. <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> we can do a top five, like John Travolta two pig list too one day. <laughs> oh shit. We could rank his movies by how his hair looked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Cause I figured like around like two thousands when he started to go ball, that's when I started noticing And Man, those two days yeah. and John Travolta got bad. And, and I think, I mean, you know, but Christian Slater is kind of, his hair always kind of looks good. I don't know who this guy is, but I would go to him. <laughs> Since you're the other Christian Slater, you should find out who, who's your hair guy, Chris. You know, who's your hair guy? <laughs> Give me the hair guy, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, folks, he doesn't mean Christian Slater, so we get into this top ten, he'll start poking out. Watch. Oh, okay. yeah, it's coming. Yeah. Uh, so number nine, I, I, I've never seen this movie, but I'm kind of intrigued now. Um, it's called Where the Day Takes You. It's from 92. It's got uh, a bunch of people, Will, looks like. Will um, Smith. Yeah, Will Smith's in it, Ricky Lake. It's some kind of drama about like 90s kids dealing with you know, a bunch of crazy shit. Drugs, alcohol, violence, prostitution. Whatever. Um, Will Smith, Sean Austin, uh, Dermot Moroney, Laura Flynn Boyle. It looks interesting. I don't know. It's ranked number nine. I've never even heard of the movie. Um, I I thought maybe Dave would know about that one. I know about it's, it. It sounds vaguely familiar, but I, I couldn't tell you anything about it. it Might have been a TV movie or something. No, nah, um, it went to theaters, but it, it was okay. Huh. It, was indep- it was independent more. Here's a solid pick for number eight, but I think it deserves to be like in the top three. Pump of the Volume is number eight with an 81% user rating. Wow. Such a good movie. So Pump of the Volume, he's a DJ with an elite, like a pirate radio band that all the kids in this town are listening to. And it's kind of during that era where like teens started to rebel against their parents because their parents were fucked up. It's the same kind of parents of Nightmare on Elm Street. It's these yuppie parents of like a certain. It's like the parents that were grew, became adults in like the fifties and sixties, and then they have like the eighties kids, and the eighties kids are what Gen Xers, right? So they're like, yeah. "Hey, we disagree with you," and then it was like the kids were committing suicide in this movie. It's kind of a really dark movie, but if you got Christian Slater in there, it brings the darkness down a little bit, so they can deal with these really intense things. But then also has like he's doing a pretty good jo- job, you know, like um, playing hard Harry. You know, he's like a very quiet kid at school, but then he like gets on the he becomes like a shock jock, almost like a uh gosh. Howard Stern is Yeah, like a Stern, Stern or something. Light. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um It it's a really great it's a great movie. Yeah. 
The next one is just a cameo, but it's ranking at 82%. Star Trek The Undiscovered Country, which is part six of the original movies. He plays a communications officer who literally pops in and pops out. But apparently he wanted this cameo because he's like a huge Star Trek fan. Yeah. So, so you know, uh, <laughs> Captain Sulu, he pops in and says, hey, we got the news. You do it, Nick. Say, like, hey, I got some. We, 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 we found out where the Enterprise is. <laughs> so, you know, like. <laughs> Captain, Captain Sulu, may I uh, come into your quarters? <laughs> oh, yes, yes, you may. Uh, we caught the guy. Oh, Christian Slater, why don't you come in the place? All right, maybe I will. Yeah, there you go. Captain yeah, Sulu. That's, that's pretty and good. Christian Slater. Thank that's you. That's exactly <laughs> what happens in the movie. That was word for word. Exactly what happens. Yeah, that's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Blink and you miss it. Here's another one. There's a guy named Tucker who was trying to build his own car to compete with like Ford and Chevy, and they boxed him out of the industry. It's a Francis Ford Coppola movie with Jeff Bridges playing this guy. This is called Tucker, the Man in His Dream, and apparently Christian Slater played Tucker Jr. This came out in '88. It's ranked again 83%. Ranked as number six. Um, it's it, it's a great movie. I like it. Oh, you do like it. See, it's not even, it's yeah, not even on my like list it. at all. <clears throat> It's um, good. I haven't seen it in years, but I, I remember really liking it. And it's got like a really cool visual style. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Now, number yeah. five is called The Wife. It's got Glenn Close, and it's about like a writer who lives in the shadow of her writer husband or whatever, and she's like fed up with it or something, and they have like a breakdown in their marriage. I don't know who Christian Slater plays in this movie. Either their child yeah, or like their I, agent I've or something. Actually, this is one I've seen now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, Dave. Tell us about this one. <laughs> he he plays like a reporter that's trying to uh, kind of expose because uh, uh, the wife is Glenn Close, uh, who plays uh, like a Pulitzer Prize winning um, author's wife, uh, and Christian Slater is like a reporter trying to sniff out like that she's really the ghostwriter of all this award winning stuff. So uh, yeah, it's actually a pretty good movie. But yeah, it's but is very, it worth num- is it worth the number five spot? Uh, I mean, no, not really. I mean, if you're talking about just his roles, I mean, he's like a third tier character. I mean, he's an important character, but not, uh, the, you know. Oh. Yeah. And this one. Came no, out, like, no, I, I would year. say of his movies now. Hmm. Now, this is a random one. And of course, this is just because of the Internet and just because of the way people consume movies. Number four with an 80 percent rating is Suicide Squad Hell to Pay, which is a cartoon from the Suicide what? Squad, DC Suicide oh. Squad, and he voiced um, the Deadshot character, who in the live-action movie I think is played by Will Smith. It but is, Christian yeah. Slater played him in the cartoon, and uh, and that's ranked number four. Which it, that's this is ridiculous, folks. Like this is like an accident, an anomaly, yeah, like, an and internet I, I, anomaly. I, I, that, um, yeah, that, that doesn't seem right. It can't be number four. <laughs> it shouldn't even be in his top ten. Like it's really, it's an animated. Perf- I, I, Listen, there's a lot of great actors that do a lot of good voice acting. Apparently, Christian Slater has dabbled in it. I was looking at his IMDb. Yeah, he has like 20 voice actor credits and a bunch of cartoons, whatever. But, I mean, it's weird that it's number four on his top ten list. He has a lot better movies that should be number four. Like, uh, anyway. Uh, a, a documentary called Crossing the Line about a guy that defected to North Korea during the Korean War is... Narrated by Christian Slater and holds a ninety percent rating, and is hit in his top three because he narrated wow. it. Wow! Could be a great documentary, mm-hmm. but again, another oddity just because it's connected yeah. to his name. You know, um, it could be on a, like a top ten list of documentaries or whatever about wars. But it, is it uh, the top ten roles by Christian Slater? No, it doesn't really belong on the list. Um, solid number two, ninety three percent, nineteen eighty nine's Heather's, where he plays JD, who's kind of like. That's my movie. They compare yeah. him to Nich- Nicholson in this movie, right? They say like, well, people people either give him shit or they accept it that he's doing like a hammy version of a Jack Nicholson Im- impersonation through the whole movie. But this is one of his best movies. He plays like a oh. really edged character, maybe a sociopath, maybe not. Um, skips around and and falls in love with a Renault Ryder's character. It's probably her most famous movie. They made a TV show about it. Now they may have. They may, I, they may have made a musical at one point. I'm not sure. I think they tried a musical. Probably they, they make a musical out of everything. Or maybe I'm I thinking forgot of they else. did a show of this. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, they did a show. It kind of came and it kind of came and went. Yeah. Um, well, what's, what's the thing is like his character is disturbing, but he does such a good job that you like don't just care about him, but you actually like his character. He's doing terrible, awful things, but you like him anyway because he did such a good job. 
He has such a charm and yeah. yeah. charm to him. Yeah. That's what it is. A dangerous charm. Dangerous charm, as yeah. I say. Yes. Solid number one. It's hard to argue against it unless like one of your favorites deserves number one. True Romance from mm. 93 with a 93% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. As Clarence Worley, the lonely comic book store employee who watches movies, um, watches a lot of uh, Sunday Chiba movies with midnight kung fu marathons, and then he meets this girl and is caught up in like the crime world. And then uh, um, Gary Oldman's like a drug dealer, goes up against Clarence in this movie. This, this is a good movie. This is a Tony Scott movie. It's pretty good, but and there's ri- some things ri- that are left by, out. It's written by Quentin Tarantino. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. he didn't get. And you directed. can totally see like there's so much about uh, Christian Slater's character that kind of is Quentin Tarantino. That's true. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you're like, oh, this is almost like an auto. This is like the your fantasy of what would happen if you know you met some girl and then got into this crazy crap. <laughs> but you know what yeah. doesn't make this list? Um, cuffs, Untamed Heart, I, oh, The I Wizard, know. I know. Uh, Heart. Prince of Thieves. Yeah, Young Guns too. He has yeah. a lot of great movies. Yeah, I don't um, think they. I, I'm looking through it. I don't think they base it on anything more than what the Rotten Tomato score is. I don't think they base it on anything. No, these are like, just they, watchers. These are just user ratings. They're just people upvoting or whatever. You know. Oh, these are the viewer viewers, not the Rotten Tomato score. No, these are not wow. critic scores. These are these are audience yeah. scores. People Man, watching the I really the movies. don't understand. Then that is wild. Yeah. Because, wow. like, not even Murder in the First gets up there? Like, that's a great movie. Hmm. Well, I mean, I would have been happy if his Will Scarlet from Prince of Thieves got on the list. Or, <laughs> uh, God, he has this w- crazy name, like, uh, oh, God, Wild Dave Rudabar or something like that. Ar- in Ar- Arkansas Dave Rudabar. Yeah, there it Rudibar, is. Arkansas yeah. Dave from Young Arkansas Guns. Arkansas Dave. And then they're always fighting. It's always been your your group, you know, your your. <laughs> So awesome. Yeah. Um, so so that's mine. I, w- I would want Pump Up the Volume. My top three are Pump Up the Volume, Prince of Thieves. And I, I, th- I this last pick for mine would be something that I just go back to and watch all the time. I've rewatched Hard Rain like probably five times. It's stupid, but I, I love it. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. I just yeah. love the movie for some reason, you know? I've never even seen that one. Oh I remember God, when it came out. Oh, my God, you're breaking my heart. We've talked about this before. We've talked about this. It's a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what about you guys? Like, is there anything not on the list that should be like in the top five, top three, maybe number one uh, picks? Mine. Okay, I got a tie for three, and it's going to be um, Broken Arrow. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. It's a freaking good one. And True Romance. My second would be Cuffs, mm. and my first is Heather's. I that is a genius movie. Um, I mean, you know, you kind of named a few of them. I mean, I'd say, um, I also say Untamed Heart. Uh, that's a, I haven't seen it in years, but that's a great movie. Um, yeah. I say murder, like I said, I say murder in the first. Um, you know, uh, Heather's is a given. I mean, so is, so is, uh, you know, uh, a lot of these are, you know, Interview with the Vampire. He was the guy that did the interviewing. <laughs> yeah. Know? Which, ironically, uh, he took over for... You know, it was originally it was supposed to be really. Oh, that's right. And he yeah. died, and Christian Slater actually gave his salary to like I don't know what it was, something, but he took over the role for River Phoenix, unfortunately, which sucks, wow. you know. But yeah, yeah, there was. Uh, well, of course, there's also um, Gleaming the Cube. I don't know if any of us mentioned that. No, no, we didn't. But I, fuck, that's a good one too. Yeah, there, there was a movie. I don't know. It was a TV movie. Um, I don't know if any of you guys remember this, but uh, there was a TV movie with him from the '80s where he played like a disturbed kid that was like terrorizing his parents. Does that does that ring a bell? To anybody? No, no, I don't know what is that this is a fever all? dream I had. <laughs> Maybe I, I know there's one he did called Desperate for Love, but I don't know if he was terrorizing his parents. Uh, I'm not sure. Huh. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's, good. it's good though. Uh, he he had a he has had a really good career. I tell you that. I like the guy. Yeah, yeah. Christian Slater can't go wrong. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's my list. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, wow. 
Um, all right, questions from out there. Let's take a look. Um, so I put up this thing called Playlist of the Week. It was the Movie of the Week entry on our little video series that we release every Friday. Talk about what we're watching, what we're into, what's new with the podcast. And then I was talking about this movie that came out in the 90s with Emilio Estevez. Let's get it right. It's not a Christian Slater movie. It's Emilio Estevez um, called Judgment Night. And like him and his friends go out on the town and get in, in trouble with these like drug dealer dudes. And they chase them through the city like in the middle of the night. It's kind of entertaining. Skip it. It's really visit. good. Maybe it's got yeah. like Cuba Gooding Jr. and Jeremy Piven played the other friends. And but the soundtrack is like amazing. It's like one of the best movie soundtracks out there. And that was the point that I was making. So I was mentioning this, and then the guy, some guy on Facebook, is like, "Well, you didn't tell us the title of the movie." And I'm like, "What an idiot!" It's implied. And if you watch the whole movie that I, the little video about the movie that I made, and the videos aren't that long. This is what blows my mind about attention spans. The video I made is like less than a minute, 45 seconds. So clearly he watched 10 seconds, right? He didn't watch all 30 seconds for me to say, I'm going to go listen to the Judgment Night soundtrack. They're implied that I was talking about Judgment Night the whole time. You know, you know what I mean? I'm like, mm-hmm. it's got Run DMC, Cypress Hill, De La Soul, Faith No More. I also mentioned Drive because it has Nightfall by Kaminsky, which is like a now super famous song in that I movie that Drive, song. right? And Great then, like, song. there's a cover of Under Your Spell in that movie that's pretty good. So I just happened yeah. to mention, like, three movies, and I had brought up Judgment Night. And then, like, I was like, you know, what can you do? It's Facebook. Sometimes it's cool. Sometimes it sucks. Sometimes people are just really fucking stupid. <laughs> um, and I doubt the guy listened. I, one, I doubt the guy listened to the songs. And I doubt the guy went and watched the movie. And, like, that's the whole point. Like, we're sharing movies we're watching and the intention would be, hey, you might like this too. Check it out. And like maybe tell us if you've seen this movie. Like That's what's hard, to connect to the right people. Because clearly I didn't want to connect to that idiot. want to connect to people that might be looking for a good movie to watch on a freaking you know, Friday night or something. You know what I'm saying? This guy's going to come get you, John. <laughs> He's, He's going to get me. Yeah. This guy. He's going to come yeah. find you. I got a lot of courage behind my you. microphone. Huh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking a lot of crap on this. Dude. Talking a lot of shit. <laughs> And we'll be right back after these messages. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good luck, Holy John. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah thanks. Um, which brings us to what are our dream projects? Your movie, Your Way. What's the genre? What's the length? Who's the star? And what is the plot? Does anybody have a good one? And you can just tell me. I, I got one. You got one? What is it? Go okay. for it. The movie. Okay. And I asked John about this earlier. I'm like, can, I, can it be like in a different decade? Hmm. So this is my movie. The movie came out in 1995. It's called Till Death Do Us Part, and it stars Winona Ryder and Christian Slater. I'm keeping on that theme, guys. I got it. About yeah. this couple who just got married, and then they get in a car accident. And Winona Ryder's character was supposed to die, but she lived. And now death, like, you know, like death, like the guy with, you know, the Grim Reaper, so to speak. Yeah. He's coming to get her, and he's played by Gary Oldman. I mean, mm. picture 1995 Gary Oldman. And it's just this awesome... Like horror scene after horror scene, a chase, and a, you know, I, and I think it'd be a really cool movie. And I would love to, have, I would have loved to have made that movie or seen that movie in 1995. So that that's my dream project, so to speak. I the movie can still be made today, but I'm just, we're, this is my fantasy world, and this was the cast I wanted. Hmm. Hmm. What about you guys? Uh, I'm not really partial to anything. Um... I don't want to say I'm becoming as bitter as like somebody like John Carpenter. Like I don't know if you've seen him lately in interviews. John's on a roll tonight. He's like burned. Like I was watching like like I'm watching this documentary and like he's like talking about how like he couldn't make the horror movies or the movies he made in the eighties today, blah blah blah. And then like he just seems so besides that, it was like a general attitude vibe that I get from him that he's just like so bitter and unhappy and like like somebody pissed in his Cheerios or like kicked his puppy in the head or something like that he's just constantly had a run of bad luck or like he's just really pissed off and i'm like why Mm -hmm. are you so fucking pissed off like you created some of like people's like most favorite movies of fucking all time or like you just sick and tired of like being old like you just no longer relevant like i I just don't understand why he's so pissed off but um except for i'm i'm a little bitter so i don't really i don't even want to make movies anymore Honestly. Um, so I don't have any dream projects. 
It's a funny question to have to answer. Like, uh, (laughs) I've almost made that vampire movie a couple times. It got passed around in agencies. It had, like, stars and directors attached at one point. It had, like, money attached, and then we're going to proof of funds at banks. Like, it was in a Canadian agent's hand, and, like, they paid me not to make it somewhere else where they give you a few grand and, like, they hold your movie basically under lock and key and say, we might make this movie. Then... Uh, you know, the option expires, it comes back to you. Like, I just sent it out again recently, and I'm like, shit. Uh, um, do you guys remember Mark, whatever his name is, who made the Leprechaun? Mark Jones made the Leprechaun stuff, right? Yeah. So oh, yeah. his producing partner from that other movie that they made, the little um, killer movie with Billy Zane, one of the producers was talking to me. I rewrote Sa- the entire movie. Sadie, right, or something? Yeah, What's yeah. Name? I rewrote yeah. the entire movie instead of being like a $3 million movie. I thought I was going to take like three three or $10 million to make it, whatever. I wrote a $200,000 version, cut out half the characters, rewrote it for Las Vegas because they wanted to use a location that they, they secured because the heart attack cafe guy, who was a doctor, but apparently like he claims that his burgers can give you a heart attack if you eat them, opened a cafe in Las Vegas and wanted a movie to shoot there and was going to put up like two hundred grand. like, okay. So my movie had seven characters. I changed it. It had th- three or four characters and then blah, 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 you know shoot half the movie at this guy's stupid restaurant and like then they went off and made like some clown movie that's fucking terrible and took her forever to get paid on because the the producer on that was a piece of shit so i'm like so how many of those kind of things can i, I don't want to have dream projects anymore you know, you know what i mean like i don't want to get yeah. my hopes up about making movies like what's the i don't even understand the point anymore um so whoever thank you for ever asked this question because you sent us <laughs> down got this, real with it yeah he sent us on this <laughs> Dark, dark path. Um, <laughs> Dave, did we answer yours already? You got the Expendables Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that your dream project, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> yes, in my heart, yes. Yeah. Dave, Dave loves... Actually, if Dave could get a Hallmark Channel deal, I think he'd be set. He could crank Ooh, out dude. 25 Christmas movies, not just one. I'm telling you, I bet we could independent, independently just make a Hallmark movie a year and sell it and make our nut for the year. <laughs> mm, wow. I like that. Um, yeah. I'm going to change the order of this episode around a little bit because it's – well, because we're going on and on. It's exciting, but I'm going to move this around. I'm going to jump into – we'll be right back after these messages, and I'm going to tell people about Acorn TV. Okay. So there's a world of entertainment options out there, and by that I mean there's a lot of compelling international shows you may be missing out on. It's time to burst the domestic TV bubble and check out Acorn TV. Acorn TV is a commercial-free streaming service that's rooted in British television. It's home to sophisticated and artful storytelling with top-rated mysteries, addicting dramas, heartfelt comedies, and so much more. Unlike other British streaming services, Acorn TV has content from Ireland, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and beyond. If you're a fan of quirky British comedy, then the other one is a must-watch. It follows two sisters from very different worlds who had no idea the other existed until their father drops dead. And if you're Downtown Abbey fans, the other one features a hilarious performance from one of the cast members from Downtown Abbey. So check that out. And I always find something new to watch on Acorn because it's loaded with thousands of hours of binge-worthy content. You can stream on all your favorite devices for just $5.99 a month. Basically, think of it as like renting one movie or like watching one streamer, like uh, Miss Fisher, and they have a new movie that came out. It's called Miss Fisher and the Crypt of Tears, and that springs from a series called Miss Fisher's uh, Murder Mysteries, and it's actually uh, Essie Davis who played the mother on The Babadook. So if you really like that kind of Australian drama, that kind of uh, performance, you should watch Miss Fisher, I think. If you're ready to escape to Britain and beyond without leaving your seat, you can try Acorn TV free for 30 days by going to Acorn TV, uh, acorn.tv, and use my promo code BingeWatchers. That's acorn.tv, promo code BingeWatchers. You can get your first 30 days for free. Now, back to the show. Okay, tonight for Summer Slash, we're covering Baskin, which is like a Turkish horror movie, and it's really intense. And (laughs) uh, let's go to first impressions. That might be my first impression. I don't know. Let's go to first impressions of this movie. The Cliff Notes, don't read me the entire novel and don't ruin it for the audience. Not yet. Not exactly yet. Maybe by the end of this episode, it'll be ruined for them forever. But first, first impressions. Nick? Uh, Visually horrific. Mm. Dave? 
Uh, dark and moody. Hmm. I'm gonna go with. Utter darkness. <laughs> the pause has to be included, like three dots, four dots, six dots, then utter darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is this movie about? Okay, let's see. First of all, I want to translate the title for everyone. Baskin means raid, and it's the first feature by John Evan Nall. That's what's funny about his name. It's spelled C-A-N, but in Turkish, it's pronounced just like John. Apparently... <laughs> It's a common oh, wow. name in Turkey. So dude's name is John. <laughs> Which is hilarious coincidence. So John Evan Nall. I can't say it with the Turkish accent, obviously. but um, This is his first feature. His influences are David Lynch, uh, George Romero, and John Carpenter, who we mentioned a little while ago as being like one of the most bitter guys ever. Um, <laughs> after Baskin... Uh, our buddy John from Turkey is going to do a horror movie called Housewife, which I think is on Shudder right now, or was on Shudder. I didn't know he did that movie, Housewife. It's a pretty twisted movie, too. Then uh, The Field Guide to Evil is an anthology horror film that just came out recently. That's his movie. And then there's this weird apocalypse movie that I want to watch. The next thing I'm going to watch from this filmmaker is called The Girl with No Mouth. That just came out last year. It's on my list to get to. I haven't got there Hmm. yet, but I will. Baskin, I know it took me a long time to get to what this movie's about, but Baskin is there's a police squad that goes to hell, but as the nightmare plays out, it seems like, and you kind of get the feeling that it seems like they've been in hell the entire time, or they're like awaiting judgment in like purgatory, and it's just like a circle. Because, and whatever their sins are, it's really hard. There's some stuff that's definitely lost in translation, right? There's some Turkish cultural stuff that I don't think an American audience is going to quite pick up on, but it's basically five dudes that know each other that well. There's like a father and son included in there. There's an uncle that raised a stepkid who's like the main character, and then and then they're all buddies. They pick a fight with a stupid dishwasher boy at the restaurant in the beginning of the movie. That was unnecessary, right? Yeah. But then they, they get a call to go to this weird, like, Apparently, it's a bad side of town. There's these rumors and stories about this one neighborhood that nobody wants to go to. Nobody wants a police call down there. So they go down there. I guess it's their equivalency of like a ghetto or something. It's like a disturbing area or low-income area or something, and and they don't want to be there. And then they meet like what looks like the hillbillies from like an Appalachian tribe or something living out in the sticks. And then they go into like an abandoned police building. It's hard to tell whether it's like a... I guess it's supposed to be police barracks in an abandoned city, like a bombed out city, like if it had been through like the Serbian war, some kind of war or something. And then like, but, and this feels more like an apartment building, but apparently it's still supposed to be like an abandoned police station. But I, I swear the call that they get is from them later in the movie when they're trying to get their radio to work. Like, like they're calling, like I said, everything feels like they're trapped there. They've been trapped there forever. And then it cuts back to the restaurant where the movie starts there's a lot of camaraderie here. Like the movie sets up like this, like pretty good, uh, like calm before the storm scenes. Like mm-hmm. some crazy shit's about to happen. These guys care about each other, and so it's gonna feel even worse when they start to die. Like the movie does that part pretty well. If I gotta give it credit on on one thing, and so I guess that's my favorite bit: the calm before the storm setup. Like the the idea that. There's enough, like, banter between these guys that when the shit hits the fan, you're going to be like, oh, it sucks that that guy's dying because he was just great. He was doing good in the last couple scenes or whatever, you know, like. um... Then I'll go to you, Nick. Did you find anything interesting, like some kind of part of this movie that that you liked or that just stood out? I I did. I I I love the style of I mean, I think I went more technical. Hmm. I loved how this movie looked. I love the like the blue tones. I, I I'm probably like you know sometimes I like look, sometimes the movie looks so gorgeous that I get so caught up in that sometimes more than what's going on. And I, I felt like I love the blue tones, the yellow tones. I love the color scheme he did and the editing and, and the effects and just how kind of dark everything is. Like it, each one of us described this movie as dark and it is. And also a lot of kind of reminded me like some of it like a like a Hellraiser in times or Nightmare oh, on sure, Street. Yeah. Yeah. It was really like there. It was taking the best of a bunch of horror movies. So I, I'm guess I'm saying my favorite bit would be just what this director took 
from other things and made it so cool and unique for a modern day style. Huh. I really dug the look, I guess. I guess the look is my favorite bit. I think it looks gorgeous. Right on. And you know, like we've been watching it's like, like so oh, many yeah, 80s sorry. Go ahead. and like we've been watching like so many 70s and 80s and like 90s movies that it was it was neat to like what was, what was that German movie we watched a few weeks ago? Like something like that. These modern movies, it's so cool how visually beautiful they are. I'm not saying like those old movies sucked visually, but it's just neat to see like a modern movie do it so beautifully. Hmm. I liked it. Dangerous. How do you feel? Um, you know, uh, you know, just like Nick, I think it was very well put together. Um, this is a movie. If I had an opportunity to watch this a second time before the show, I would have loved to because uh, totally like you said, uh, like, I, I think John said there's some, I think cultural things that don't, uh, get lost in translation. Um, this is also, I mean, there was parts of this movie that dragged, but then when it picks up, it picks up. Um, uh, some of the gore. I mean, this this was a lot gorier than I had anticipated. So that kind of took me off guard in a good way. Uh, especially like there's a stomach ripping that really kind of bothered me. <laughs> yeah. <in this movie. laughs> um, See, that blow so, didn't so, really hurt me that much. Where they're ripping out the fake guts, like because I thought they didn't look real to me. That was too dark and too like the texture was wrong. So I didn't buy it as guts. Getting hit over the head with the hammer bothered me. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was pretty bad too. That was pretty gross. Yeah. Um, Sledgehammer yeah, I mean, people. It was pretty bad. Pretty gnarly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting movie. I just wish I. Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'll be honest. I watched this kind of like when I was not uh, the most awake, uh, just because I'm just was tired. <laughs> but uh, even even with that, I just felt like it feels like something that need to be uh, it needs to be picked apart a little more. It's not, it doesn't right. feel like a one-time watch. Well, let's put it on the scales of justice here. Binge now, binge later, binge never. Who wants to uh, kick it off? I guess uh, I will. <laughs> you I'll go after you, John. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll go first, <laughs> okay. then Nick, then Dave. Right. We'll, we'll tie right. it up. All right. So, okay. Um, it's a binge never for me, but not for the reasons that it's a like a terrible movie. Don't ever watch it. It's a piece of crap. You're gonna waste your time. No, it's because it's like super disturbing. So I, this would not be the first horror film that I would recommend to my friends, especially if my friends didn't watch horror films. Like if I knew you hadn't really watched horror films and you're just like you think ET is scary, or if you're like watching freaking like uh, I don't know 101 Dalmatians or something. Like if, if horror movies are not your ticket, then I'm not gonna say like. Yeah, turn on Baskin. So I, I binge never <laughs> to protect people that can't handle really crazy shit. Yeah. So, but a binge later, it, same tone, like uh, Friends That Descend Into Hell. There's a good movie about the catacombs of Paris. It's a found footage type deal. As as above, so below. Right? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's my binge later. And then binge now, if you want a crew that has camaraderie, works together well, and you're like, oh shit, they're about to get really fucked up. I feel bad for them. They don't know what's coming. Event Horizon. About a spaceship uh, that goes yeah, to rescue another gosh. spaceship that's already been to hell and back, and they don't know it's possessed, and they get in there, and they're like, oh, we're all fucked now. <laughs> like, like uh, <laughs> And then the hell plays out for them. So that's my binge now. Those are my roundups. Going to you, Nick. All right. I give... Uh... I'd give this movie a binge later. I really liked it, and I would recommend it. I would say a binge never. Since I brought up Nightmare on Elm Street and Hellraiser, I'm going to say binge never would be uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 6. And uh, binge now, it actually would be Hellraiser 2, since I brought those two movies up. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Let's see. Um, I'm going to say, I'm also going to say binge never on this. Um, Oh, my God. I'm the only one. Wow. I mean, I, I could say, I mean, people could do where, I mean, maybe I'd even say binge maybe, but I, I, I kind of feel where John's coming from. Um, yeah. I'm going to say a binge later, something that, um, because I didn't like it the first time I've, I saw it, but I kind of came around to it on a second viewing um, about people exploring a fucked up area. I'm going to say um, a movie called Session Nine. It's kind of a ghost oh, yeah. psychological oh, yeah. thriller. Um, watch it more than once. I didn't care for it the first time. I'd definitely give it some patience. Um and I'm going to say a binge now movie I've covered on the show, actually in the catacombs, 
spoiler alert, but to tie it to people uh, that end up in hell, I'm going to say this 1970s Tales from the Crypt movie. Uh, very British, and it's also British. I don't know if that connects anything else, but so that's that's mine. I still need to watch that Tales from the Crypt so, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, you should put I that need on to your see list. That of things to do. Yeah, um, we don't need, I don't think we need to do a final thoughts because we kind of tie that into like our favorite bits, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we can just go to what else have we been watching and then we'll talk about what's coming up for next week. So, hey, Nick, what else you've been watching this week? I just started watching this series on Netflix called Money Heist, and it's really freaking good. It's like this it, – it's it's dubbed over for American version, but it's about these uh, people who are going in to rob the Royal Mint, and I guess that's a place where they produce money. You know, like it's like money machines, so they go oh, yeah. in, they take all these hostage, and what they do is they want to have the cops buy time. They want to be in there because the longer they're in there – the more money they can produce. And I'm only on episode four and it's really freaking good so far. I really like the show. Nice. John, I didn't do a reality show this week. Just saying, <laughs> well, it's good. Taking a break. We don't have to go out, derail the whole episode for a side discussion yeah, about yeah. reality. Don't, don't, don't hold me to next week though. We'll oh, sure. It. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be recording right back on it next week. What about you, Dave? What have you been watching? Uh, I've been watching a lot of stuff, but I'm going to uh, just mention two quick things uh, from one, fi- from one director on one on, very two opposite ends of the scale. Um, I watched Legend again recently, the, and I know this has come up on our show a lot, but um, mm-hmm. I sat down and watched it for the first time in like close to twenty years on like my brand new good TV. God damn, that movie looks fucking amazing! Like if you haven't you have watched Blu-ray, it, I do. Yeah, okay. And, and if you haven't watched it for a long time on a modern TV, it is like next to Blade Runner. I'm I'm gonna say next to Blade Runner, it's his best looking movie, or like in terms of world building. Um, wow. And then I also watched The Counselor, which is also really Scott, which is a very different movie for him. And if you've ever wanted to see Cameron Diaz fuck a car, and uh, <laughs> that's go, go watch it. What does she get on the gear shift? The stick shift. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 she gets on the windshield and like grinds her pussy. I mean, her she just grinds against the fucking car. Why? Even, why that would you do that? Movie too. Yeah. Uh, it, is it you a know, fetish or something? Even in the movie, the characters are confused by that too. So, in all fairness, <laughs> dude, she came to the set that day on Molly or something, and just like went to town. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is actually one of those. It is a weird fucking movie. You so like, we're gonna get... keep that take in. We don't know what we're gonna use it for, but it's staying in the fucking movie. <laughs> well, like in the first five minutes, you've already got Penelope Cruz begging uh, Michael Fassbender to finger fuck her. Like, no lie. Hmm. <laughs> like, so... so this was Ridley Scott. I'm exploring my sexuality movie. Is that is that what it is? I, I so. you know, it's kind of like Ridley Scott's Showgirls. Like, it's kind of campy. Kind they of. They should have released it as that. See, you are good at marketing, David. Ridley oh. Scott's Showgirls. <laughs> I'm gonna make a note it. of that. Podcast notes: Ridley Scott's Showgirls. man if we were still making jokey titles for our episodes that'd have been a great episode title oh i know right yeah Yeah. (laughs) um i watched umbrella academy well i'm like halfway through season two which just dropped like i think a couple days ago from when we were recording Mm -hmm. this anyway and uh, that's, like, one of the best things on Netflix. Like, every time I, I tune into, like, a Netflix movie or a comedy special, I think, oh, this is the best thing on Netflix. But I was reminded why I like that show, like, within the first two or three episodes of season two. Um, it's well done. It jumps through time periods, so you get to see, like, different decades. And they're actually doing a pretty good job of, like, the houses, the clothes, the characters. And each person has a unique power because there's, like, six of them, right? They're like six super-powered kids that like were born, and but there's like this whole time travel element to it. Like there's an agency that polices time, and they start fucking with these super-powered kids. It's a good show. I don't know if you guys have seen any of the Umbrella Academy stuff. I have not, no, but I hear it's good. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's based on a graphic novel, but um, and the other thing I dived into, I'm halfway through this like four-hour documentary that feels just like a really long YouTube video, but that's all right. It's like interviewing all the horror icons from like the 80s and 90s. And this is where I saw like a very bitter entry by John Carpenter. <laughs> so I'm like, dude, what is wrong with it? What happened to, to one of my heroes? Um, it's called In Search of Darkness. It's also oh. on Shutter right now. Oh, it came out last year. Yeah, yeah. It's it's bit. It's like never like never 
Never Sleep Again. You know how that that one yeah. was like three and a yeah. half hours. This thing is like clear your schedule. <coughs> clear your, I'm, clear I'm your schedule. I'm an hour into it. You know, isn't um, Sean in that? Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, but basically, I, I I was really I thought it was pretty bold of him to say like he basically drops that Friday the Thirteenth is directly from a result of him going to see Halloween. No, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? I was oh, like, yeah, wow. Like, okay. Like, he doesn't even try to yeah. say it was an original idea. He just literally <laughs> says, I watched Halloween, and then I made Friday the 13th. I'm like, all right. <laughs> Sean's very blunt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He'll tell you. <laughs> but he said something. I think he was the one that said something pretty poignant about younger viewers, like teenage viewers. Like, What did he say? Or, well, he uh, said something about like them being closer to their sense of immortality. So mm. the deaths and the sh- the deaths in a horror film doesn't affect younger people the way it affects older people. I was like, wow, I was thinking about this. Like, yeah, man, you get a little bit older, you start to have experiences. You f- you you like you feel less energy and immortal as you go along, and then you start to have things to lose. Then you start to have anxiety, panic, worries, um, responsibilities, and then watch a horror film totally different experience from when you were 14 didn't give a fuck could conquer yeah. the world and we're watching a horror movie to be enthralled watch a horror movie now and you're like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god if this happened sure. it would fuck up my whole week <laughs> you know what i mean like like, like yeah. oh my god you know totally uh, totally different experience that was a very poignant thing i thought oh um, yeah and i think oh, he was I... the one that i i'm crediting him but i think he was the one in the documentary that said it um it's hard to pay attention to that documentary because it's so long and they jump around between like all the interviews. But it, literally, like it's cut like a YouTube video. I'm like, why didn't they just release this as a YouTube series? You know, with the interviews broken up in sections would have been maybe mm. a better way to reach people. But anyway, it's it, check it out. It's four hours long. It's basically how I'm watching it because I'm like, okay, oh, they've just finished up talking about this movie. That's a good place to cut off. Like, <laughs> I, I think I just finished watching a section on Cue the Winged Serpent. Like, I'm... Uh, because they do it what year by year. You're further into it than I am. Oh, they did. Oh, wait, you're talking about nice. so. Oh yeah, because um, Cohen's in there too. Before he died, he's actually in this documentary. Oh God, I love that movie, Cue the Winged Serpent. <laughs> That's such a good one. And then our credit well, song tonight, folks, is going to be this song called "Witch's Butter" by Isaac Joel, and that'll take us out for this episode. Um, nice. We're we're uh, blazing it right through the horror movie marathon this summer. For Summer Slash 2020, we uh, only got a couple movies left. We're doing Angst next week, followed by Lord of Illusion, and then we're wrapping mm. it up with Scream 1980. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to Scream 1980 because I have no idea what it's about, and then Lord of Illusions, let me tell you. But I'm actually Angst. looking forward to the next... I mean, I think uh, I haven't I, seen Lord of Illusions, but uh, I'm looking forward to the next three shows, though. Yeah. I've, you guys told me Angst was good, so I, I'm, I'm excited yeah, a- about that. Angst yeah. is... It, it, it is a slasher on a different level. Like, it feels do- almost like a documentary. Interesting. I mean, you'll, you'll see. Uh, Sounds yeah. good to me. You will yeah. see. You will see. You will see, folks, next week, as Dave said. I, I will see. I will see. Yes. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, let's have Christian Slater take us out. Go ahead. Go ahead. Take us out of the episode, Christian. Uh, Mr. Zulu, can I come back into your room? Yes, you can. Uh, that sounded like Sean Connery. I'm sorry. Yes, you can. <laughs> uh, uh, this is uh, Christian Slater. It was a great time to be on uh, the Binge Watchers podcast again. Love you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, greetings and salutations. And as Nikki Late says, shit got real.
everybody wants to party. Everybody wants to party.